In this episode, we speak with Sean Hinton, CEO and founder of Skyhive. Skyhive is a generative AI software company that rapidly reskills companies and communities around the world. The company invented quantum labor analysis, the application of artificial intelligence to analyze a workforce at its most granular and real-time level. Sean is a member of the 2023 Class of Henry Crown Fellows within the Aspen Global Leadership Network at the Aspen Institute. And he was recently named one of the Software Report's top 50 SaaS CEOs of 2023. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. If you like the episode, click to follow. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Thank you, RJ. Pleasure to be here. We'd love to kick off with your kind of view on the AI space, and then particularly how it's applied to workforces and the whole human capital management function. So if you wouldn't mind, for the benefit of our audience, can you give us a little bit about artificial intelligence broadly? Yeah, sure. So obviously, Skyhive has been in the artificial intelligence game for quite some time. We started building our AI in 2017. So obviously, have a a pretty good understanding of the space. And For the audience, I mean, artificial intelligence has been around a long time, decades, but it really hasn't been until the computing power has matched our ability to drive a bunch of data into more intelligence within that AI. So what you're seeing now is more and more sophistication with respect to AI's ability to read documents and take information and produce that in text. You're seeing more and more innovation around video and image capturing and how AI is able to respond to that. It's nothing new to the world. It's just now with things like ChatGPT and other types of applications, consumers are now able to use it and experience it. I think with any exponential technology, 99% of it is going to be used for good. And there will always be the 1% that you know use different types of new technologies for nefarious reasons. And so Skyhive is fully supportive of regulations of artificial intelligence. We've been a strong public proponent of the ethical use of artificial intelligence ever since the beginning of our company. And so it's really good to see that policymakers and and others are are really starting to get a grasp on, you know, how do we regulate these things without necessarily encumbering innovation? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, as we know, with any exponential technology, the net result to humanity is good. But, you know, there's a pathway to get there. And with your background and knowledge of artificial intelligence, how did you come about deciding to apply the technology towards workforces? So what Skyhive is, is, you know, in 2017, we were asking ourselves the question, why do we have access to the most advanced computing power in the world at the lowest cost to access it? Yet, if I ask somebody a basic question, which is, what are your skills? What are the skills that you've derived from your work experience, life experience, and educational experience? In other words, your skill DNA. And RJ, we all have a unique skill DNA. So I'm a father of twins, for example, nine-year-old boys. You know, one loves basketball, one loves hockey, one loves science, one loves music. And even though they're in the exact same environment, they're developing a different set of skills and, and skill DNA. 
And so if we can help people understand their skill DNA based on their background, their unique background, how do we then take that DNA and map it to the system of the changes happening with respect to work and learning? And so today we know, for example, there are 130 million career pathways. And if we only ever looked at the kind of the job title level, so if I'm a carpenter and I'm only looking for carpentry jobs, that was kind of the past. Now what we can do is we can look at a much broader level. So as a carpenter, I have experience in heavy lifting. I have experience with engineering drawings. I have experience in other types of areas. And how can I take those skill sets and apply them not only just to carpentry related roles in the labor market, but lots of other roles where my skills are a really, really good fit to other types of jobs that I wouldn't have even known about. And so to go back to answering your question, this is only achieved through big data and artificial intelligence. We couldn't possibly take this amount of information and do this in any manual way. And so when I started the company in 2017, we were literally only as a planet about 18 months into having the type of computing power possible to build what SkyHive has built. And so on this aspect of big data, the scenario that you describe where a carpenter has various other skills that could be applied to other areas, how would you go about collecting data about each person's various skill sets? I, I mean, I presume there's some skills that don't even apply to their profession. They may have tangential skill sets related to something they do with a hobby. Yeah. So this is another sort of call it wonderful aspect of big data. So what SkyHive does at its core is it's the engine that is now the largest engine of what we call labor market intelligence in the world. And so we are capturing anything out in the digital world and physical world, and I'll get into that in a minute, that is giving us an indication of how jobs and skills and training are changing. So think of about things like patent applications, annual reports, subject matter expert writings, job descriptions, CVs, course outlines. These are all data objects that exist in the world and, and obviously billions and billions of different objects that house within it the indication of how a job or training is changing or new jobs that are forming or new skills that are coming. And so what SkyHive does is capture all of that. So we're capturing now in real time from across 200 countries all of this data that's being generated in real time. So RJ, if you went on to, for example, monster.com and you said, hey, I'm looking for a job, here's my resume. You've said to the public, I'm looking for an opportunity, please bring me opportunities. And so these are the types of data objects that exist around the world. Now, when you bring all of that together and you start to apply intelligence on top of it, where you teach machines to read that information, interpret that information and draw conclusions and similarities to that information. That's where we can take something like, okay, you know, I enjoy fishing for sport. And the AI is able to then say, okay, we have hundreds of thousands of data objects out there that tell us these are the consistent attributes of whether it's a hobby, whether it's a job, whether it's studying or learning. These are the consistent attributes that we see in these big, big data objects. And that's how we're able to derive skill sets from anything from an experience to a job to a training, et cetera. So, you know, I presume your customer base is various companies out there. Maybe perhaps you have an emphasis in certain markets. I'm curious about the degree to which you're able to actually get information and data around 
candidates and how it varies depending on the type of market you're in, the type of industry? Skyhive works mainly with Fortune 500s and Global 2000 companies globally. So we're on five continents and we're working with the largest companies in the world and, and governments as well at a community level who are faced with really asking four questions. What are the skills that we have? So at an individual, departmental, company-wide level or community level, what are the skills that we need? In other words, how are jobs and skills changing in the external labor market, whether it's within one's industry or with their competitors or even in the local geographies? What are the gaps in terms of what we have and what we need? And how do we fill and bridge those gaps at pace and at scale through learning and experiential learning and on-the-job training, et cetera? So every organization or community has different needs based on when you do that analysis of those four key questions. And so it's not so much about deriving information from a candidate. It's about really getting to the accuracy of the skill profile. So as I mentioned earlier, Skyhive is a strong public proponent of the ethical use of artificial intelligence. So we're not interested in, call it the person's characteristics that may lead to bias. All we're interested in are their skill sets. So we take the skill sets of a job or a task to be done, and we match it with skill sets of a person. We don't concern ourselves with where did that person study or what's their background or where do they come from? That's for human resource people to decide based on their own policies and procedures for how it is they're sourcing and screening talent. And so from our perspective, we spend time when we start working with customers, really, really refining and understanding their needs. And so Skyhive has the big picture. And then when it starts to work within an industry, so let's say like one of our customers is Baker Hughes, one of the larger oil and gas companies in the world, and they're transitioning their workforce from traditional energy today, 57,000 people to a future where they're carbon neutral. And so you think about those four questions, what skills do we have? What skills do we need? And when you start to think about what do we need, it's the development of green jobs with new technologies, new regulations. And then how do we take our existing workforce and inventory the skills that they have that can apply to those jobs? But then also, how do they need to do reskilling and upskilling so that they can take on those jobs of the future? And so really that's the process that we go through and it's unique to the customer, the geography, because the needs are quite different. So how much of the kind of desired outcome from use of your platform is uncovering talent that would otherwise not be found or detected versus identifying folks already within the organization and upskilling them? Yeah, so it's interesting, and I'll share maybe a little bit of the genesis story of Skyhive. So Skyhive is a B corporation. We're a, a for-profit social impact organization, and, and Skyhive's vision is to reskill the world, to better help it prepare for the rapid changes that we're facing daily with the fourth industrial revolution. And so what inspired me to create this technology and, and the company was actually a group of Syrian women. I was attending a conference in Dubai in 2016. A group of Syrian women got on stage. They had escaped Syria during the civil conflict, and they were living in a refugee camp in Lebanon. And they spoke to us about the atrocities of the treatment of women during the Syrian crisis. 
And so for me, I didn't have a background in humanitarian aid. I wasn't well-versed in, in that space. But what I did have a background in as a labor economist and as a leader was skills and career mobility and you know how we help people accelerate through their careers, not just from a financial income perspective, but also from a satisfaction and, and life perspective. And so the entire premise of Skyhive is about bringing visibility and democratization to the complexity of jobs and skills and how they're changing globally in the world labor market. And so we work with organizations that are serving matching refugees to jobs. We've done work in Ghana for women who are coming onto the internet for the first time and actually learning their skills and how those skills can apply to the global digital labor economy. We do work in underserved communities, helping people who have fallen out of education, traditional education, and need support and understanding, okay, where do I get started on that career pathway? And so you can think of us like a GPS system where we're helping companies and individuals and communities understanding where they are in that journey. How do you assess the kind of efficacy of the solution? Have your customers come back and said, you're correctly identifying everyone's skill sets and we've received a dramatic increase kind of in our overall productivity because the matching is working so well. Yeah, so for every deployment we do as part of our ethical AI standards, we're measuring the accuracy of skill extraction from either a person or a job. And so we measure with our customers, what would the percentage accuracy be in relation to your experts that are doing this manually, right? And so we're not satisfied until, like as a starting point, until we're at 92% or higher. So, you know, instead of taking three days to do an analysis of an occupational category within a company, it's taking them 10 minutes at a 92% accuracy. And then they're spending time on that remaining 8%. Now, that remaining 8% is typically very, very nuanced definitions of skills in like highly regulated occupations. So think like really advanced pharmaceutical science research where, you know, the skill set is very esoteric. There's not going to be a huge amount of data in the global labor market that's going to be showing us sort of what those skills are. So that's how we're measuring it on the call it efficacy side with respect to the AI and how it's performing with doing those automated tasks of breaking down and classifying jobs and skills on the person side we really have three buckets. The first bucket is self-identification of skills. So our technology takes the user through, hey, tell us what your job title was in the past. And then the AI is producing skills to say, okay, these are skills that are resonant in these particular jobs. What do you think you are in terms of your competency level, beginner, intermediate, or advanced? And so they go through the process of self-selecting that. Now, for that first bucket, we know that it's about 60% accurate based on six years of watching this. And typically, people underrepresented in the labor market, women, youth, veterans, immigrants, they underrepresent their competency levels. And it's a trend that we see in the data. So we have a second bucket, which is what we call algorithmic validation. So the AI will take that profile, it will go to the full data set, and what's happening in the real-time labor market, similar to what I described a few minutes ago. And it will say, okay, Sally has said that she has done you know, graphic design for three months and she's an expert. 
let's go out and figure out what an expert graphic designer is based on hundreds of thousands, millions of other types of competency profiles that are similar and come back and validate that. Now, then it, there'll be an adjustment made automated. However, we also understand that people can be geniuses. There can be outliers. And so we have a third bucket, which is peer and managerial validation. And so the person has said, this is what their skill is. And this is the level of skill. The machine has validated that. And then the peer and manager says, yeah, I actually think that despite the fact that Sally's only done this for three months, I actually think that she's an expert designer. So now switching gears a little bit over to the scaling of the business, where are you currently in the company life cycle from a kind of growth perspective? And what's your biggest challenge? Yeah. So it depends on what you define as growth, because there's a lot of definitions. So we are, let's call it a series C company. So we are not an early stage startup. We are not a late stage growth company that's, you know, preparing itself for IPO. We're, we're kind of somewhere in the middle, which is, in my opinion, one of the most exciting parts, because this is the part where you're really hitting escape velocity. You're really starting to focus on your standardized, repeatable processes. You have dozens and dozens of customer case studies. Your product is well post pre-product market fit. And you're really into that point of scaling and repeating your models and focused on delivery. And so that's probably the best explanation I can give you. We're, we're in that nice, sweet middle part. Having been through this for six years, there are a lot of different stages, but this stage is certainly on the more exciting side because the problems that you're dealing with are more predictable than they would have been, you know, call it zero to one or even zero to five type earlier stage. And so what are the biggest challenges? I don't actually see it as a challenge. What my philosophy is, is at this stage of company, like we figured out the technology, we figured out product market fit. We understand exactly why and how our customers are using our technology. Now it's very simple. It's about assembling the most talented team in the world to deliver to this scale. The quality of the Skyhive team will determine the ultimate success of the company. And that's really what I spend most of my time focused on. It's a really big focus on culture. It's a really big focus on making sure that every single person that's coming into the company is very, very well aligned with both the mindset and skill set requirements that Skyhive needs at this point in time. Okay, final two questions. One is, can you tell us about a person who has had a profound influence on you? Is this personal life or is this professional? It could be life? either personal or professional. I wouldn't necessarily say it's one person. You know, at this stage and after six years of experiencing growing a rapidly, you know, scaling, you know, a deep technology company during a time of COVID, during a time of economic uncertainty, I mean, it's certainly been a fascinating experience. And, and my greatest mentors are actually the innovators, you know, Edison, Tesla, Steve Jobs. You know, these are the folks where the more I've experienced this as a founder, the more I actually understand and associate with them not from just an idealistic perspective, but more from you begin to understand why they made the decisions that they made and they operate how they operate. That's not a commentary on their personalities. It's just a commentary on the impact that they had on the world and how much the universe conspires against the innovator and how hard they have to fight to break through that. Interesting. I would have thought it conspires for the innovator. I wouldn't go there. I would I would definitely say that as an innovator, it's much more of an uphill climb than it is a, a downhill roll, you know? 
Okay, last question. Can you tell us about a charity, cause, or other endeavor that you're passionate about? So obviously, Skyhive is a B corporation. Our focus is very, very geared towards reskilling and ensuring that everybody on planet Earth has democratized access to education, to understanding their skills and to the what the needs of the, the global labor economy are. In a personal side, my focus is on eradicating human trafficking. That's the area of focus for me personally that I'm passionate about. It is one of the fastest growing problems in the world, and it's often swept under the rug because it's not something that people want to really be talking about publicly. But it's been great to see things like Sound of Freedom, the film that came out during the summer that put a focal point on this. And so that's what I'm focused on in my personal life. Fantastic. Well, um, Sean, I want to thank you again for taking the time. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, RJ. I appreciate it.